the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Happy to have you with us this afternoon, Kathy Emmons. Without, however, John Hall, my honor partner taking another day off, but I am ably joined in studio today by New Mike on the other side of the glass, and on this side in this room, it's Dave Moore. Dave, welcome. Hi, Kathy. How are you today? Happy Thursday. Oh, I'm excellent. Are you excellent? The second half of the baseball season I know. Now, did you watch the All-Star game last night? Um, You mean two nights ago? Tuesday night. Tuesday night, yeah. Did you watch the All-Star game? Uh, I watched about a half an inning. Oh, see, I watched none. No inning. Really? Okay. No inning. Well, first off, here's the thing. There's one pirate. Right. Who who made a a very nice showing. Right. Struck out two batters. I feel really good about it. But there's one one pirate. Same with the Phillies. That really? There's one Philly, yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Who was it? I don't know. I thought the pirates couldn't find anybody, so they sent pierogies down for See now, look how you say that. Nice. Mike. And they made the pierogies pay their own way, right? Because right, we have a budget to maintain here. That's right. Neither one of you are making me feel better. No. Neither but, one. There was really only one Philly. Yeah. Yeah. They. I, I can't name. Has Arietta had a had an average year? Arietta has had an average year. Um, he's intense and he's a great pickup for the Phillies. But yeah, he hasn't he hasn't gone twelve and two. He's annoying. I know. I mean, just because hey, you know he's not on my team. I know. I, he was annoying until this year. For me as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. he's like your best friend. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so the, the Home Run Derby was on Monday night. Right. I didn't watch because that's super boring. Me neither. Yeah. I, that, that, no has zero, that has zero interest for me. And then when the game came on on Tuesday, I thought, you know what? I, nah. I, I was uh, home alone with the twins, which my wife calls child raising <laughs> and not babysitting. <laughs> Uh, because she and our other girls were out, For so she in particular. I I tuned in, but we were playing games and stuff like that. And I I I noticed the score the next day. Okay, no big deal. Yeah. So it's the second half of the baseball season, yeah. and does it it starts tonight? Yeah, there's one game tonight. Right. It really starts tomorrow. Tomorrow is yeah. when it kicks in. Um, how do you feel about your Phillies? Uh, I feel good. It's a lot of fun this year um, because there's no pressure. You know, if they if they end up winning eighty five games and miss the playoffs, that's a stellar year. Mm, okay. uh, if they make the playoffs, that's even better. They're ahead of schedule. Um, I, I can't name five players on their team because they're so young. Right, and uh, and you know what their record is? Uh, Around five hundred. Twelve. They're twelve. Or twelve over. over. Oh, they're twelve over. Yeah, yeah oh, they're in first place nice. right now. That's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are the Pirates? Uh, they're one under, I believe, right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, we, you know, we were in first place for quite a long time before mm-hmm. we decided uh, to not win any games at all. Yeah, yeah, it was like a six-week, you know, know, complete decline into deep darkness. I know. I've, I've, I watched it. I know you did. All right. Really so speaking, of, speaking of watching, uh, I saw this online today, FoxNews.com. Um, it's in regard to the Brady Bunch house. Did you watch that show? 
I have had to watch enough of it. I can't say I'm a fan. Oh, I never. Did you watch it as a kid? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, as much as we, yeah, yeah, as much as I mean, it was. Could you sing it was the song? always on, right? So could you sing the song? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm not going to. <laughs> nice try. Here's yeah, you really teed that up, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I of a lovely it. lady. Did, yeah, exactly. It was bringing up three very <laughs> lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold like their mother. <laughs> Youngest one girl. Youngest one girls. <laughs> Here's the story. Okay. Um, no, the news today. Uh, for years, the iconic house featured in the popular sitcom The Brady Bunch has drawn in a steady stream of fans hoping to pose for photos in front of the property. Clearly, all those people need more in life. That's fine. <laughs> but now, the house is up for sale. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's in uh, L- L.A.'s Studio City neighborhood. Are you in the market? Uh, I'm not in the market. And if I was in the market, I would not be able to afford this house, mm. which was purchased in 1973 for $61,000. Wow. On the market today, as of this afternoon, $1.9 million. No, in 1973, was that before the show? Um, it says... Wait, hold on for a minute. I'm, all of a sudden, I lost my audio there in my headphones. Um, the original homeowners, George and Violet McAllister, decided to sell the property when their parents died. Purchased the home in 1973 for $61,000. Now, it doesn't... Uh, no, the show did not start until 69, September of 69. So they bought it in 63 or 73? No. No, they the the people who owned the house, yeah. these were actual people. Yeah. Okay. They purchased the home in nineteen seventy three after the, the show had already started. After the show had already yeah. started for sixty one thousand dollars. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I always loved that and house. And they've been and they've been living in it. Really? Yeah. Which oh, is nice. I, I love the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the house was um like the classic sixties. Like uh, it's the modern California kind of yeah. House. It's like yeah. the roaming, you know. It kind of has like the different parts that kind of you know fall over, fall down steps, and some there's some upsteps. How do you feel about stairs without railings? Hate them. Really? I don't like them at all. Okay. I've never liked them. They make me feel unsettled. So you're not going to invest in never, this house? never. Okay. And you know what else I don't like? Chairs without arms. Really? That sounds like the name of a rock band. <laughs> Chairs is, without arms. It is a good band name. It is yeah. a good band. Chairs without. I don't like that. I, I feel like if I'm sitting down in a chair, I would like some security. Hmm. And if I'm walking up a flight of steps, I for sure want a railing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. What, but you don't feel the, the same? The things I know. I've learned about you today. You, you don't feel the no, same? No, I agree. I like chairs with arms because I like to lean up on them. I like It It just makes everything easier. I'm telling you, and I've, I've thought about this because okay. chairs with arms have bothered me for so long that people act differently if they're sitting in a chair with arms versus a chair without arms. Really? People are more relaxed, more conversational. They f- they're they more likely to just tell you things and to have a, a nice conversation if they're sitting in a You've chair with arms. you studied this. I have. Listen, this is something that's wow. important to me. Which is why our studio chairs have arms. Ex- you insisted on it. Don't you feel comfortable? I Don't do. you feel like you're ready to talk? I feel like, I, you know, I feel much more comfortable dialoguing <laughs> with you, just seeing the arms on your chair. See, now you're lying. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Christians on social media. What are they doing? Well, they're behaving badly. Christians behaving badly. <laughs> Drew Dick coming up next. Right home. One.
101.5 WORD. I'm Keith Stevens. Hey, join Donna Cruz and me this weekend for Keep the Faith. We all do our best to teach our kids how to make the best choices, but it doesn't always feel like they're listening, does it? There's a window in your children's life that's open where you can tell them anything and they believe it. But once they hit like puberty, that window is sealed shut. I hope you can join us for Keep the Faith Saturday night at 10 on 101.5 Word FM W-O-R-D. When you're a kid, Idlewild is a place full of adventures. There are rides that are just your size, treats to tickle your taste buds, and special friends like Daniel Tiger to touch your heart. When you're a grown-up, Idlewild is every bit as magical, every bit as memorable, every bit as fun. Idlewild and Soak Zone, because you love to see them smile. Right now, save up to $10 when you buy tickets at Giant Eagle. Normal people need an estate plan just as much, if not more, than the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti. Why would you want the state of Pennsylvania to tell your loved ones who get your stuff? The basic documents, your will, financial power of attorney, and your health care power of attorney and living will can be done very quickly. It's much less costly and time-consuming just to have the basic documents drafted up to say, God forbid, should something happen to me, this is who I appoint. Are your documents in order? Find out at ContiLawPGH.com. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. I like you. I like you, my dear. America is falling in love with Mr. Rogers again. Entertainment Weekly raves. It's the movie we need right now. Fred's theology was love your neighbor and love yourself. It was a communication right into their hearts. Mr. Rogers' faith has inspired us all. Thank you for whatever you do to bring joy and faith to our world today. Won't you be my neighbor? Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now in theaters everywhere. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. media is just one of the things that we have to live with, that we have to work with, and that I believe God can redeem in our current day. But man, it's rough. It is. It's unnatural. It causes people to be like incredibly bold in awkward and offensive ways. And it's something that I don't think anybody um, can can say with authority, I know how to handle myself there. Not only that, that um, I've never heard anybody talk about social media as some kind of great positive. <laughs> Everybody owes social media as though it's a necessary evil. Right. And, and, but to you, it's not. No. no I'm, I'm sorry. Do I, you, do you follow New Mike on Twitter? I don't. You don't. I don't. I don't follow anybody on N- Twitter. New Mike, do you follow? Do you follow Dave Moore on Twitter? Negative. Uh huh. Sorry. Why is that, Dave? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Because uh, I don't have a Twitter feed. Look, I, I know people are so astounded by this. This seems to be such a, a curiosity. Like why I would sit in an arm without chairs or right. a chair without arms. Right. But um, I have not seen 
where it is going to add value or effectiveness to my work. Okay, well, let me tell you this. Go ahead. If it wasn't for social media, I would not know who Drew Dick is, and he's our next okay. guest. And I follow him on Twitter. Well, and so great. maybe after you hear Drew talk, you'll be like, wow, I'll tell you one thing I'd like is I'd like to follow him on Twitter. Okay. Drew Dick's an author and editor. His latest book is Yawning at Tigers. You can't tame God, so stop trying. Drew, I do like following you on Twitter. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing better now that I know you're following me. Is it, does it you. Has it made your whole day? <laughs> I think so. At like, least my, my afternoon. Right. Up until right now, it was just a waiting game. But now you know it can be like all good <laughs> for the rest of the day. All right, Drew. So um, so you're active on social media. Um, Dave Moore, who's, who's filling in today for John, has decided he's not wading into social media at all. Um, why are you in? Oh, good question. You know, I'll acknowledge right at the outset, it's a mixed bag. I get it. I understand why people are like, yeah, I don't know if that's worth my time. What's the upside, right? And I'm probably one of the people that spends too much time, especially on Twitter. That's kind of my my uh, vice. Uh, but I do think it it has some some good things. Um, one of the downsides, of course, is that you get you guys you guys referenced this already, but a lot of people get what some people call digital courage, and <laughs> oh, it's, it's great the, term. the the yeah the anonymity. Uh, makes people really more combative and confrontational and they say things that they would have never said face to face with a person. (laughs) And I think that's where we run into a lot of problems. Sometimes as Christians, uh, we kind of come into the public arena and that's, let's be honest, social media is kind of the new public square. Um, and we come out swinging and there's a lot of truth, but sometimes not as much love. Right. Now, you mentioned that you that people say things online that they wouldn't say if you were sitting across the table from the person, right? So right. What, so what is it about this medium that causes us to forget that? I mean, I recognize that that is the way it is, but it is hard to believe that as human beings, we can't like get in our head, oh, wait, there should be a gate before I hit post. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we'd all probably benefit from a filter like that. In fact, I advise people, you know, before you, you press send or you post something, you might want to run it by your significant other or mm-hmm. a friend and say, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten when I do that, I do that with my wife, and she's like, no, don't say that. That's don't stupid. say that. Uh, and it, Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Um, yeah, and so it is weird because, like, you'll go on Facebook, and maybe you haven't talked to your aunt for, like, 20 years, but then you get in this bizarre political argument with her, <laughs> and it's like, no, Aunt Trudy, it's not the Democrats that are ruining the country. It's the Republican. I don't know, you know, whatever. Um, and I think one of the, the weird things is there's, yeah, there's a little bit of anonymity. I mean, usually people know who you are, but so you're a little braver, and there's that kind of buffer of the digital space. Um, and there's no context. You can't read people's faces and their mm. body language. So you tend to be a little more direct, and that, of course, can go into all kinds of bad places, the extreme case being that you kind of ruin your witness as a Christian, because people go, man, that person's a jerk. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Yeah, Um, direct and yet indirect. Uh, there's a is that like passive aggressive? Uh, yeah, it's passive aggressive, but there's there is a ton of aggression. I wouldn't call it directness, though. Um, it's hmm. as though we're beating something out of ourselves when we post or read online. Um, I, we were talking before the show about it just seems to be a matter of curiosity that I have no engagement with social media. But I I said, Kathy, I'm able to say that I am just grateful to be able to talk to you for a half an hour. 
and um, even grateful that you would listen to a word I say. I'm, I'm grateful for anyone who's willing to converse with me. And I don't want to have conversations digitally or in person with people who are not able to convey gratitude to me and to whom I am unable to convey gratitude for just sharing the space with me. Yeah, that's fair. Drew, I mean, Drew, maybe my, he sh- yeah. Drew, maybe he shouldn't be on Twitter. No. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have convinced me. I'm going to deactivate my account right now. <laughs> but, but how do you? Um, there, there has to let's get beyond the negative. There, it's an is. Social media is an is. So, how do mm-hmm. you convey appreciation for the personhood of others as a Christian uh, in social media engagement? Yeah. No, I think that's right. And there are certain inherent limitations to social media, right? It doesn't replace that face-to-face contact. But I will say, you know, I have met so many wonderful, interesting people through social media, uh, relationships that have kind of hopped that digital divide and become face-to-face friends. And so that's beneficial. I've also had all kinds of opportunities to interact with people who believe very differently than me, atheists, humanists, you name it, different kinds of Christians. Uh, and so that's been enriching, too. So I think, you know, the, the biggest kind of uh, test when you come to social media as far as your behavior to ask yourself is, would I say this if I was sitting across the table from this person? Mm-hmm. Or would I say it in this way? Because you probably wouldn't, especially if you're, if you're talking about um, sort of a controversial uh, subject uh, on which you disagree. Uh, you'd probably be a little nicer, a little more nuanced, and that's, that's a good check right there. And then, you know, you got to check your, your, your intentions. Why are you there? I think a lot, another, there, there's sort of the kind of um, the angry fighting tendency that we see on social media. There's also a lot of like what I call the spiritual humble break. I don't know if you've seen that, <laughs> oh. but it's like, <laughs> and you, know, you know what a humble break is. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. Sensibly humble, but you're really trying to make yourself look good. Well, Christians kind of put a spiritual twist on this. So it'll be like, I don't know so humbled that I got to feed 300 orphans today. Mm-hmm. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm um, Instagramming yeah. my quiet time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. that's huge. And that's, and that's cool. It's like, hey, that's awesome that you're in the Word, but do you really need to like have those pictures of your highlighted Bible every time you do? <laughs> uh, oh, uh, and I see this a lot sick. in my area with, you know, church leaders. So, They'll find, you know, subtle ways to brag about their influence. You know, like, hey, I preached to 5,000 people today, even though I had a sore throat. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That is so awesome. Okay, Drew, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we had um, one of the editors of the Babylon Bee on, and I I feel Uh, terrible because I can't think of his name, but the guy absolutely cracked me up. But I said, you know, and of course, this this is a stupid question looking back on it, but I said, you know, how do you come up with your ideas? And there was this silence, and he was like, it's so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kyle Mann. Anyway, so it, it is so easy to see Christians behaving badly on social media. So you actually put that question out to, to your Twitter followers today, and you got a lot of interesting responses. Talk to us about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think, uh, I thought, hey, this is about social media. Let's air it on social media. So yeah, I got some, <laughs> some great ones. You know, one, um, there were a few that were kind of centering around this, and 
the tendency of Christians to, when they go on social media, to act as if everyone else should be a Christian or acting like a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're continually surprised when unbelievers act and believe things that unbelievers believe, right? Um, and, and I think that's one thing that is good to avoid, just not assuming that everyone shares your beliefs and values, um, which can be tough, I think, because the, the culture has kind of gone down a post-Christian path in recent years, and a lot of Christians feel the ground moving beneath their feet. And so I think that accounts for our shrill tone sometimes, because we go, hey, just a minute, I thought this was a Christian country. I thought, mm. you know, I thought that other people shared my values. Why are these kids living together before they get married? Well, they're probably not even believers, you know. So mm. y- you want to avoid what I call proxy wars, you know, fighting about a certain political issue or a value that you hold dear, even if it's important. Because if this person doesn't know Jesus, uh, that's not the first conversation you want to have, mm-hmm. right. right? Yes, that is. Um, you know, my husband and yeah. I, Drew, my husband and I continually say to each other, is that the hill you want to die on? Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever the Great conflict question. is, is that the hill you want to die on? And sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. The Great Commission is not uh, go and make people behave. Right. Right. And, right. and so what you're, but what you're getting at is, as a Christian, uh, don't get on social media if you're not ready to take the, the blue pill and be out in the broader world. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, you're going to see things, that, and people joke around about it. Like, we go on the Internet, and we're like, we found someone that said something crazy. Like, well, what did you expect? You know, this is humanity <laughs> we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You think you're going to agree with everything you read online? Uh, <laughs> and uh, the key is not to let yourself get triggered, to use a popular word, or, you know, baited into fights that really uh, do more harm than good. So that's what I heard a lot from my my buddies on Twitter just saying, you know, another one I'm reading right now, unwillingness to show grace in the face of theological differences. Oh, Hmm. my gosh. Isn't that? Listen, that is a lot of the things that we've talked about up to this point could really go for anybody on Twitter. Right. It's just using it's just general manners, like just be a normal human. Don't be a jerk. But when you (laughs) when you get to like this era, uh, this area of theological difference, I think to me, this is when Christians can become absolutely cruel. And it's, right. it, it's, such a, it's such a tragedy to see how people in different denominations or from different theological perspectives talk to each other. Mm, isn't that the truth? Oh, it's, right. Oh. And there's just no kind of benevolence or even an attempt mm-hmm. to truly understand the other person's position. Uh, there's a kind of the other side is Hitler mentality right. where you just you're really you're swinging, you're fighting, you're not trying to understand um, or or really even treat the other person's position fairly, and that that gets under my skin. And here's the thing, though, I, I'm I'm talking about all these bad habits people have online. I've done it all myself. I really have. Oh yeah, I've, me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, of I see why people fall prey to it because uh, I've done it myself. But it's good to be aware of it. And and you're right. A lot of these things are foibles that everyone has online to some degree, but for Christians, the stakes are higher, right? Because we're called to love people. Like, we don't have the option, biblically, of just being a total jerk to people who think differently than us. That's uh, that's a heretical position, technically. I mean, you can't, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself, and so that that extends to social media, too. Drew Dick is an author and editor. His latest book is Yawning at Tigers. You can't tame God, so stop trying. All right, so let me... Take us to a recent issue um, that 
where social media really impacted. And that's a time when I feel as if people handled themselves overall well online. And that was the whole blow up at the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, of course, there were a lot, there were a lot of haters. And I know that that was a, an emotionally charged issue, but I do feel like a lot of the issues, um, kind of got sussed out online. And I do mm. feel like I saw people who were able to listen to another perspective that maybe they hadn't considered before then. Yeah, I agree. And and that's sometimes where social media is at its best when it comes to um, bringing to light sins and mistreatments that have happened, maybe even in the past. Um, and it can be painful, Right especially when it's happening in your, your tribe or your denomination. Uh, but ultimately, man, I mean, I think the, the clarity uh, that it brings can be mm-hmm. good for the church, ultimately. Yeah. And we've seen this. I mean, you can look at the Catholic Church um, and how they've handled their sexual scandals, and I think just about everyone agrees that if they would have got out ahead of this and been more transparent, uh, it would have been far better in the long run, and that's a lesson for uh, we evangelicals when— when we find um, abuse and mistreatment in our ranks, we we can't be hiding things. We gotta we gotta be clear. And social media is one of the ways that those things come to light. Right. And in that regard, I think social media. If I'm looking at it from a Christian's perspective, and and I I, I think this often is that this can be very good for me, and this can be very good for us because mm. your whatever your you know empire that you've built, whether you are a pastor or you are you know an author like yourself, or you want to you run a big blog site or a big teaching ministry or whatever, it can collapse in an instant. Oh man. And you have true? to be circumspect about your life. And that is a um that is a statement I need to hear and I feel like it's good for Christians to hear. Look, don't be monitor your life. Monitor your life mm. because it can disappear. Yes, so true. I um I swear I'm not trying to just promote myself, but my next book is on self-control, which I think is one of those virtues we've lost sight of. Um, as a culture, we're more into self-expression, um, mm. but self-control is one of those Christian virtues that sounds a little boring, but we've seen how absolutely essential it is, um, you know, for everyone, but especially for those who call themselves Christians. And it relates to social media, too, because it takes self-control to uh, behave yourself on social media yeah. and to build up others rather than just kind of uh, right. push your own agenda or defend your own tribe. Right. Uh, so it's crucial. And we can blame social media. We can blame any technological, any tool whatsoever. We can blame the mall we can, if we behave badly at the mall. That's right. But, but you know, the topic of self-control, um, it's just, the, these tools are just a manifestation of a deeper issue. If we can't have uh, self-control online, then we don't have self-control. That's the problem. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. And some people blame social media for all these ills. But the truth is, it just kind of pulls the veneer off, right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of pops the, the lid off the id, and you see what's simmering underneath. Um, and so it's, it's both enlightening and scary. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, this is, this is what we're really like often, too, um, what we air on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good conversation, Drew. I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for, um, 
for, you know, kind of sharing the viewpoint of your Twitter followers and, you know, helping us to be honest with ourselves. Because literally, I mean, anything you've said, anything I've said, I've already made those mistakes online. So I'm not trying to point the finger and say how terrible <laughs> yeah. everyone else is, right? Because we screw up all the time. And, uh, you know, right. one last thing I do want to say, God, this just happened to me a couple of days ago. It is so important that we are able to forgive each other online. Um. Isn't that true? We really have that. to do that. We real. I, I had an instance where I was disagreeing with someone on Twitter, and it, I, you know, it started out in such a negative fashion. But by the end of the conversation, I thought, you know what? It is possible to resolve something scripturally, even if it's online. You mm-hmm. can do it. It can. You can actually ask for forgiveness, and you can grant it. Absolutely. Don't unfollow. Don't block. Forget. Right, right. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's good. We could do T-shirts. There we go. Don't unfollow, don't block, forgive. That, and we can sell them on Twitter. That, yeah, yeah. It, that, that would be like from a really hipster church. I like that. Drew Dick, uh, author and editor. His latest book is Yawning at Tigers, You Can't Tame God. So stop trying. Thanks, Drew. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 70 That's 800-705-3030. 800-705-3030. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Celebrating life's closest relationships is what drives every Trinity Jewelers employee. It's people, not profits, that make life worth celebrating. After 20 years, Trinity Jewelers is still growing, and they have a place for an experienced diamond sales expert to manage their sales team. If working in a caring, friendly environment with a flexible five-day work week sounds better than the pressures of a corporate jewelry sales job, email your resume to trinityjewelers at verizon.net and help them make the next 20 years something to celebrate. Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But Word FM and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. With over 20 years in business and over 20 million blinds sold, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. Need some inspiration? Go to Blinds.com to see tons of customer photos. And right now, you save up to 40%. Plus, take an additional 5% off site-wide when you use promo code SHUTTERS. That's 40%. Plus, take an additional 5% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com promo code SHUTTERS. 
Rules and restrictions apply. Isn't crushing candy just boring? Play the hit puzzle game Best Fiends. It's sweeping the nation. Tired of matching candies? Give Best Fiends a try. It's fun, fresh, and addictive whether you play alone or with friends and family. Download Best Fiends for free in the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 67 degrees. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. A shower or thunderstorm can be in a couple of places late in the day or during the evening hours. High tomorrow, 84. Some clouds tomorrow night, 66. Limited sunshine Saturday with a spotty shower or thunderstorm. High Saturday, 78 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word. Just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Brian Godawa about the book of Revelation. He's got a perspective that, um, would you say it's in the minority? It's in the minority. I think it's in the minority. But I'm in that minority as well. What? I am. You're both so crazy. Yes. Uh, but before we do that, I do have a, a great giveaway for today. I have a four-pack of tickets for Idlewild Park. I haven't been to Idlewild in too long. Do you love Idlewild? I like Idlewild. Isn't Idlewild. it great? Yes. Yes. Isn't the old-fashioned vibe mm-hmm. so good? Mm-hmm. Like when you're on the scrambler and you're thinking, and it is so wide open and yeah, shaded, all the trees, yes. and everything. I really yeah. love it a lot. Yep. Anyway, I got a family four pack of Idlewild tickets, um, and uh, we're always happy to give those out, especially uh, when it's a day like today. It's a beautiful sunny day, and you think, boy, you know, what am I going to do over the weekend? Well, we have a great idea for what you could do over the weekend. You and three of your friends could go to Idlewild. So give us a call at eight hundred three two zero eight. 800-320-8255. Uh, Mike, let's do caller nine. I like it. You feel good about nine? I like that number. I feel good about nine. 800-320-8255. One family four pack. Tickets to Outer Wild Park. And um, we hope you call. We hope you win. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. One of the biggest areas is guardianship of adult disabled children. Attorney Michelle Conti. It's such a large population that we have, and I think people just don't know what to do. And so we'll get that phone call that my son is 20 years old and he has Down syndrome and the doctor or the facility or the banking institution isn't speaking with us anymore. They're requiring all of this documentation. We don't know what to do. Depending on the degree of severity of their disability, they may be able to just sign a power of attorney. 
allowing mom and dad to help them. But if they are incapacitated and it's obvious, we have to go through that guardianship proceeding. And it's fairly straightforward. The nice thing is, is that if mom and dad are elderly, we can have a sibling as the backup so that they don't have to go through this whole process all over again when mom and dad pass. We need to be able to draft it in the correct manner so that when the day comes, they're not going to lose benefits. Find out more at ContiLawPGH.com. Life doesn't stop on the weekends and neither do you. So we understand that it can be hard to find the time to shop for a mattress. This is Robin Trzinski of the Original Mattress Factory, and we have a completely new website designed to help you simplify the mattress shopping experience. Check out our products, view our prices, and even place an order for pickup, local delivery, or to have it shipped outside of our delivery area. Just visit OriginalMattress.com and find a thoughtfully made, honestly priced mattress of your own. The Original Mattress Factory. Great beds, no bull. If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the fun for half the price at Fun for All Family Fun Park in Cranberry. Get a $100 value for $50 or $50 value for $25 and enjoy the best family fun rides, games, and attractions, including the new XD Dark Ride. It's all for fun at Fun for All. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. There's only one book of the Bible um, that tells us, that specifically tells us that we will be blessed if we read it. And it's the book of Revelation. That's the only one. And so whenever I open up the book, I think, okay, so as difficult as this is to navigate, um, it's a type of literature that I'm not particularly familiar with. I mean, I did read like the Mordor parts of, you know, <laughs> Lord, Lord of the Rings. That's as but, much as you've delved into the apocalypse. In the apocalyptic, right. you know, right. I did, I did see Terminator and Blade Runner. So okay. Maybe that counts. Um, but, but wading into it has a blessing for us. If mm. we go into it, um, trying to seek after the heart of God, not to determine days and times because Jesus said himself, and hear me when I say this, Jesus said himself, no one knows the day or time. Right. So speculating about it and coming up with, you know, advanced arithmetic metrics is not going to help anybody. Um, but going into it with just, you know, the attitude of what does this have that is truth? that I need to know and that I can utilize and that can cause me, can bring me to a sense of wonder and appreciation. I mean, Revelation is a, is a spectacular book, but I think oftentimes it has been used spectacularly badly. Um, we're going to have uh, Brian Godwa on the show. Brian's been a professional writer and filmmaker for over 15 years. He says his creative versatility was born of a passion for both intellect and imagination. He wants to use his left brain and his right brain. Anyway, the result is that Brian's an artisan of word, image, and story. And um, he's going to talk to us about the book of Revelation, about his latest book series. Hey, Brian, welcome back. Thanks for having me on, you guys. So you you have to agree with me that, and I know you do because we've talked about it in the past. Boy, is, is Revelation used badly? Yeah, it really is. And you know, I can really uh, agree with, and identify with you because there was a time period in my life where I just avoided Revelation because you know there's so many different interpretations. It's so confusing, and I just thought, well, why bother? Because there's just you know you don't really know, right? But like you, I also got convicted when it said you know you get a blessing for reading it. And I thought, and plus I thought, you know, if you go to the gym and you work on most of your muscles, but you don't work on your legs or mm-hmm. something, you know, you're going to be 
imbalanced and atrophied. And I mm. realized I've got to try and work at that aspect of my faith, which is understanding the book of Revelation. And, you know, so for so in recent years, I decided one of the ways to do that was to write this novel series, because writing a novel is a way that that helps me uh, sort of work out my theology, in a sense, you know, and there were so many novels out there about, you know, thanks to Left Behind, right, where there's a cottage industry of people say speculating, here's what it's going to, here's what Revelation is going to look like in our future. And, you know, there's a lot of that out there, but nobody's really written uh, any books about the origin of the book of Revelation. And that's what I did. I wanted to go back into the first century when John was writing it and actually tell that story, the context of that story. You've got Nero persecuting Christians. You've got this war of the Jews against Rome, and it ends in the destruction of the temple in AD 70. This is something that's very, very important in the history of Christianity. And so I wanted to tell that story that a lot, a lot of Christians don't know, but also tell it in such a way that it ilu- tries, to, uh, tries to bring out what might the book of Revelation, how might it have been understood by ancient Christians in that time mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. you know, understand the symbols within their context. And that's sort of the genesis of, what I, of, of how I went about writing the series, which is called Chronicles of the Apocalypse. You, um, <clears throat> you're taking a look at Revelation that is uh, contextual and contemporary, um, that is far different than the way American, uh, a vast amount of evangelical American Christians have looked at Revelation for at least three generations. Um, But it wasn't always the case that we took Revelation and picked it apart for its mathematical symbolism and pr- used it to predict dates and times. And can you talk a little bit about uh, Christian history and and the way Revelation had been treated really before the First World War? Yeah, boy. Well, that's a good that's a good point because I think that uh, what really started changing was, you know, dispensationalism and, and how that sort of affected the Church and started interpreting these things in that more sensationalistic way. You're right. The history of the Church has had several major uh, schools of thought and approach towards Revelation, and they were all, you know, relatively respectful to each other, and, and, and they'll go all the way back to the early Church. There's no one dominant viewpoint if, if anyone's honest when they look into it, they'll have to admit there's not one dominant viewpoint mm. that then changes. There's always been uh, different ways of interpreting it, and therefore, you know, requires us, us to have that respect for those different interpretations. Unfortunately, I think, um, you know, in, in recent years, it seems like the dominant, you know, view, which tends to be, you know, the futuristic left-behind sort of viewpoint, that is dominated, and... Uh, the other viewpoints are there's there's that polarization that we see in all aspects, you know, whether it's politics or whatever. There's also polarization, I think, in the church about these views, and I've I've been engaging in a lot of you know uh, online debates or discussions about it because I'm writing the novels, and and I find that people are just Christians are so close-minded and unable to just listen to other viewpoints, and it's really sad to me because I've believed all the different viewpoints. You know, you've got Amillennialism, premillennialism, postmillennialism. I've been all of them, so I know what it's like to sort of hear these different viewpoints. I think it really helps for us to consider listening, even if we don't agree, and to have a more, like you were talking in your previous discussion, you know, about the debates online and stuff, just to have a more gracious 
uh, approach to this because I've been called heretic. I mean, I've been I've been publicly slandered while I'm debating the yeah. issue with people. And, and that, you know, that shouldn't be. That just shouldn't be. Yeah, that's very typical. Um, I have a book on my shelf called The Millennial Maze. It's by Stanley Grenz. It was huge a huge factor in me um, coming to terms with revelation and apocalyptism, which I'm fascinated by. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it quotes, it quotes um, uh, Clarence Bass from 1960 saying that, that people, his even close friends were denying um, his salvation because he had failed to rightly divide the word, the word of truth. In having their eyes. No, in their eyes. And having nothing to do with his belief about salvation, about the virgin birth, even about the, the literal second coming of Christ. But because they did not, he did not um, agree with them on every single point of um, a futurist minutiae, uh, that yes. his salvation was in question. And that's tragic. It really is. And, you know, uh, but one of the reasons why I wrote the series was because I think that a lot of times there's a lot of Christians who aren't interested in the deep theological discussions. And quite frankly, if you get into the, if you get into Revelation or if you get into end times and eschatology, it's really heavy and it gets really deep. And it's not it's not for everyone to do that kind of in-depth study. I, I appreciate that. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to sort of tell a story that would be entertaining, that would give historical background and, and show the symbolism and stuff. And, and that's the power of storytelling. It, it can embody theology in a, in a way that people who may not want to get, go into the theology can appreciate, if that makes, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think that was the power of Left Behind, whether or not you agreed with them. It, you can see why it was so influential. It's because, you know, it was, it was storytelling and storytelling that's entertaining, and that's what draws and pulls people in. So I want to do that with my viewpoint. I'm not copying Left Behind. I'm just simply doing what I've always been doing, which is, you know, writing stories that are based on the Bible and such. But, um, yeah, and I think that, that when you see it within that ancient context, the symbolism will make more sense. You know, let me just give one little example of, sure. of something. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when, when Christians talk about this stuff, we have all these assumptions that we bring to the text. So when we read something like Jesus saying, you know, the great tribulation such as never happened in the beginning of the world until now, nor will ever be, you know, and so we have this, oh, this great tribulation, it just, it, it, has, it has not have taken place. It couldn't have taken place, right? And yet I find so many things that are right there, obviously, in the text that will shock Christians. We tend to read over them. You go to Revelation, the book of Revelation, the very first chapter, chapter 1, verse 9, John is writing, he's on Patmos, and he, he's writing the letter, and he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a generic tribulation, it's the tribulation that he's talking about. So there's an example where I, I bring up the Christians, and it shocks them, like, I hadn't seen that before. So John is saying, while he's writing the letter in Patmos in around 65 AD, he's saying, I am partnering in the tribulation with you right now. Hmm. And these are some of the things that sort of lend me, you know, there's, there's phrases in Revelation like, you know, there, like a dozen times he says, the time is near, these things are soon to take place. Not thousands of years from now, but soon. And these are the things that if you, if you take, take a different fresh look at Revelation, you start to see maybe there's something in it that was very, re- very relevant to that, to that first century Christian church 
And that's what I want to bring alive. And, and that's what I'm hoping to do with Chronicles of the Apocalypse. Brian Godawa is with us, award-winning screenwriter. His first feature film was To End All Wars, starring Kiefer Sutherland. He's also an author and international speaker on art, movies, worldviews, and faith. His popular book, Hollywood Worldviews, Watching Films with Wisdom and Discernment, is used as a textbook in schools around the country. We're talking to him today about his series, Chronicles of the Apocalypse. Uh, <clears throat> The Bible, the subject of the Bible, I say often, is not humanity, it's not goodness, it's not sin, it's not salvation, it's God. And um, what does Revelation teach us about the character of God? Excellent question, and, and I do believe that, you know, there's that we can find common ground to some degree between all of you if we seek that, what you're saying. Uh, seek the ultimate purpose is God. And of course, I also think, I would also add the kingdom of God. In other words, mm. it's about what the kingdom of God is. And I think we can certainly draw from Revelation things that no matter what view you have, you can, you, you know, even if you believe it was all, all took place in the past, it doesn't mean you can't learn from it. And I think one of those, one of the most, uh, the strongest messages is the, the encouragement to Christians to bear up under suffering. You know, there's a lot about martyrs, there's a mm-hmm. lot about suffering for the faith. Yeah. And again, no matter what view you have, you can draw from it this, you know, Christians right now are suffering under um, Muslim tyranny all across the world. We're, we're also being persecuted in America right now. So this stuff can be relevant for us, even if you don't think that it's necessarily connected to some, you know, antichrist and all this kind of stuff. You know, I talk to my futurist friends, you know, my friends who say, you know, oh, Brian, you're crazy. Uh, you know, I say that most of the Book of Revelation was fulfilled in the first century, which shocks people. Mm-hmm. But I've got some, I've, you know, I've got some guys on my side, like R.C. Spool, one of the greatest evangelical theologians in the last century. You and know. a Pittsburgher. So I'm not, I'm, and a, Brian and yeah. a Pittsburgher, let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no heretic here, right? And, and it shocks them, but I say, hey, look, you guys, um, just because I believe that the Mark of the Beast was something that hap- what had to do with Nero back in the first century, and it had to do with ownership under Caesar in the, in, the, in the Roman Empire, it doesn't mean that I won't stand with you who believe that it, mm. it's a computer chip in the hand in the present, right? Because mm. I still believe that it's tyrannical for a government to control us with computer chips in our hands. It doesn't mean it has to be a fulfillment of, uh, mm. of prophecy, because there will always be tyrants, right? Always. And so that's how I try to find some unity with them in that, you know, we still stand against the evil in this world, uh, and there still is evil because man is still sinful until Christ does return. But that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be an antichrist and a rapture and a seven-year tribulation, all this kind of stuff that everybody automatically assumes. That's Brian Godawa, award-winning screenwriter, author, international speaker, uh, the author of Hollywood Worldviews, Watching Films with Wisdom and Discernment, and his newest is Chronicles of the Apocalypse in three parts, Tyrant, Remnant, and Resistant. All the information about Brian, find us now on our website, johnnycathyshow.com. Space, the final frontier, Husband's Log 2018. Following the free delivery and placement of a new shed from Yoder's Backyard Structures, our family now has space to think, to breathe, to live, in the garage, the attic, even the basement. Arrival was successful and came fully assembled, cleverly designed to blend with the existing structures. Buy a new shed from Yoder's and experience space. The final frontier. 
Available now from Yoder'sBackyard.com. Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you can get two my pillows for the price of one with Mike's buy one, get one free deal. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Mention the promo code word to start enjoying the best sleep of your life. Or type it in when you visit MyPillow.com. This offer ends August 1st, so don't delay. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. It's Trinity Jewelers' 20th anniversary. To celebrate, Trinity invites you to bring your better half now through Saturday only and get half off half the store, where 50% of all their jewelry is going for 50% off. No, Trinity is not going out of business. They've just lost their minds, and the savings will be ridiculous. Trinity Jewelers' 20th anniversary, half off half the store sale. 20 years of celebrating life's closest relationships. Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road at TrinityJewelers.com. Hey Pittsburgh, Calusi Chevrolet in Bridgeville is celebrating like never before. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin and the team at Calusi has been serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. Since 1918, they've been a trusted name for great deals and great service. Right now, during their anniversary sale, they're offering unbeatable deals like over $10,000 in total savings on select Silverado pickups. You can check out all their great deals online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. What is it about Revelation that people feel like whatever their perspective... I mean, like people have different perspectives on baptism. Mm-hmm. And I know that clearly denominations have, mine been, is right. Have, right, have been created over that. Right. I know that. But there are still, I would say, the majority of Christians that recognize that people just look at baptism differently. To me, it seems like today the views of Revelation are more divisive. Either you're right or wrong. Do you feel that it, way? It It is... Um Part of the conversation is um, out of the question of whether you take a literal a or figurative interpretation of Revelation. And it can be so disturbing to take a – to someone to say that I take a figurative perspective on, rela- on Revelation um, that, uh, you know, if you're not signing off on – Biblical literalism, uh, biblical inerrancy in the way that I think you should be biblically literal and inerrant. Um, then you're then, not, then you're not biblical or inerrant. Right, right. And, if you don't, if you don't see that the way I do. The problem is, you know, am I, I'm a biblical literalist. Mm-hmm. You're a biblical literalist. We are, but what we take literally is different in the, in the Western way right. is, is different. And, um, uh, yeah, the the movement away from postmillennialism, from any other views, into strict dispensationalism, was 
directly tied to the fight between uh, the the conservative church and um, and the liberal church in terms of biblical inerrancy. Mm-hmm. And so, because dispensationalism uh, fell within the biblically inerrant camp, then that then was the that was the only possible. It became thing, a litmus test, which is why I had to be subjected to Hal Lindsey for you know all the years Late of my great growing up. Give me nightmares for about the first decade mm-hmm. of my life. It's a lot more coming up in the second hour of the ride home. We're going to talk to New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield about the president and also about his book, Killing Jesus. It's next. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The White House disagrees with a Russian proposal that would allow the Kremlin to interview Americans. During talks in Helsinki, Russia's Vladimir Putin offered to allow U.S. access to Russians accused of election meddling in return for interviews of Americans accused by the Kremlin for unspecified crimes. On Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said the offer was under consideration. But now Sanders says the president disagrees with it and hopes Putin will have the 12 indicted Russians come to the United States to prove their innocence or guilt. Greg Clugston, the White House. Meanwhile, President Trump has asked National Security Advisor John Bolton to invite Russian President Vladimir Putin to Washington in the fall. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 135 points, the Nasdaq dropped 29, the S&P lower by 11, oil up 70 cents to 69.46 a barrel. This is SRN News. Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or stored in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588. For your free consultation and to see if you qualify, that's 800-500-5588. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. 
protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 67 degrees. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. A shower or thunderstorm can be in a couple of places late in the day or during the evening hours. High tomorrow, 84. Some clouds tomorrow night, 66. Limited sunshine Saturday with a spotty shower or thunderstorm. High Saturday, 78 degrees. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Oh, it's a beautiful Thursday in Pittsburgh. Kathy Emmons with you. My honor partner, John Hall, taking a day off. I welcome back to the studio, new Mike on the other side of the glass. Hello, Mike. Hello, Kath. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Wonderful. And in this room with me, Dave Moore. Dave, hello. Hello. Mm, hello. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. Uh, Dave, uh, you actually sent an article to me this morning that I just got, I, it just resonated so deeply with me. Kathy, uh, yeah. thank you for reading what I sent to you. <laughs> it gives me great honor. Does it give you honor? Yeah. Wow. That is so I'm much grateful. nicer than anyone's ever been to me on Twitter. <laughs> From the Weekly Standard, it's an article called It's All About Trump, and it's by the editors of the uh, of the website. Um, the question it asks is, must everything be about Washington and the presidency? Must everything. And as you go along in the article, they talk about several people who are either currently in a United States office or running for office. They talk about Martha Roby in Alabama's second district. Um, the article talks about the Texas Senate race, Democratic challenger Beto O'Rourke criticizing Ted Cruz. Talks about California's 22nd district, Andrew Jans, who's running against Republican rep Devin Nunez. Goes on and on and on and on. What the article says is that Regional elections used to be about regional issues. So if in the Texas Senate race, Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz are battling it out, they're going to be talking about issues that are important that are going on in the state of Texas, right? In South Carolina, the governor, Henry McMaster, is going to be talking about things that are important to people who live in South Mm -hmm. Carolina, right? But what's happened in our current time is that regional elections have now become referenda on national phenomena, especially on the presidency. Now, this is a very strange thing. And I, I, I had not been able to put my finger on it when it came to national politics um, and local politics until I read this article. It, let, me, let me read another portion of it. It says, Tip O'Neill famously said that all politics is local. It's no longer true. Local politics aren't even local in the age of Trump. House elections are now overwhelmed by the disputes of Washington, D.C. Partly this is the result of the federal government's arrogation of state power. There just aren't as many local issues to argue about anymore. Mm -hmm. But 
even more, it's the decline in the power of incumbency and the rise of the primary wars. Incumbents are under assault from both left and right. And so the question of, get ready for it, whether they stand with the president or whether they're willing to stand up to the president is the only question that matters to voters. And what's interesting is that um, President Trump has stated often that the thing he values most is loyalty. Everything in his world is reflected on whether you are standing with him or standing against him. The, the problem is Trump's not forcing us to buy that. We're choosing well, we're to swallow choosing it to ourselves. It, right. I live in Woodland Hill School District, and I like Woodland Hill School District. I like living there. <clears throat> my local school board election is going to have far more impact on my right. life and my family's life and my economic prospects than any national election or even state election. And yet those local elections um, are – a reflection of what party are you in? Oh, you're a Republican. How could you possibly stand with Trump? I just want somebody that can balance the school board budget. Isn't that and I truth? want somebody that can run our township well, get our streets paved. And, we, you know, you were fascinated with my news sabbatical, and, and I've reflected more right. on Right, and for this. those of you who aren't listening, Dave took a complete news sabbatical in the month of June. He did not pay attention to any news on TV, online, yep. on radio, I'm whatever. Sorry, who's president? <laughs> it's and, still the same guy. But what I've what coming back to it, what I've realized is that it's, there's not a single conversation that is not brought back to what's going on in Washington, and it's it's infuriating. It is infuriating, and it doesn't matter what news station you listen to, what what articles you read, everything is yeah, reflected on these people that um, are, are doing things that will have no impact on my life. And I, I, I know people can I, test I, that. I really think that is at the heart of it, is we are, we are giving so much of our attention and our energy and our loyalty, whatever, or hatred, however you feel about it. And I don't care how you feel about Trump, um, because we can err on either side mm-hmm. when it comes to him. Um, we need to care more about the local things that actually affect us and our family's life instead of investing so much energy into either opposing Trump or supporting Trump. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sure it's important. He's the president. But really, our local representatives, our local judges, all this. Those are the things that are really going to make a difference in our communities. And those are the things that are more constant. What's going on in Washington jumps from day to day. There's so many news stories that you're reading about today are going to change tomorrow. Um, you know, people are offering opinions. They have fears. So much of news is built around fear now. You know, you can't have a news story without having to offer the counterpoint that such and such advocacy group is concerned that this is going to X or Y. And, and yet it's all about the fear. It's not about the actual event. But that fear grabs a hold of your emotions. You develop an emotional response to the people you hear, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. That is completely different than if I'm having a coffee shop conversation with my local school board member saying, so um, how many bus drivers are you going to hire this year? What's going to mm-hmm, happen with right. our property taxes? Yep. And those are the things that are going to impact me immediately. Right. And they're probably not things that are going to engender a gigantic emotional response. No. I mean, they might, depending on how strongly you feel about busing, but, right. but probably not. 
But there are things that are actually more important than the things the president might say, which would engender an emotional response, which really is wasted emotion. The president's not going to raise my property taxes today. And if he does, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Exactly. There's nobody you can talk to. It's not like you can run up to Mr. Trump and say, hey. And and the next thing that I can take action on is the November election. And about the middle of October, I can check in on the candidates and decide what I'm going to do. Right. And if you wanted to, if you could actually go and talk to them. I could. You could. And And I'll tell you what, you could contact them online. Mm -hmm. My local representative is incredibly responsive online. Um, I bet yours probably is too, Mm -hmm. if they're any good of a representative. Yes, I've met Um, them. So you can do that. All right, let me go back to this article in the Weekly Standard titled It's All About Trump, written by the editors. For the press... Arguing about the presidency and the future of the country is more interesting than arguing about the continued funding of a military base Uh. or the local effects of a federal environmental regulation. And so every election becomes a referendum on the man in the White House and his policies, which today means that everything becomes more about Trump than it already was. And and listen to the first part of that. It is more interesting Mm -hmm. to talk about this. Right. So it really is just a show. Right. It's not actually what's most important. It's that I'll pick the thing that what sounds the best or is uh, I'm going to get more hate mail on or I'm going to get more love mail on or whatever. Yes. Yeah. More likes. I like my fiction to be fiction. I like my nonfiction to be nonfiction. Hmm. And I don't like a whole lot of. Well, crossover. guess what? It's all crossed over. It's messed you up. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> you, you're longing for an earlier time, my I am. friend. I'm sorry. That is a time that may have passed. Coming up next, New York Times best-selling author Stephen Mansfield. We're going to talk about his latest book, Choosing Donald Trump, which is absolutely fascinating, along with his Killing Jesus, a classic. That's next. WORD. In developing countries, 7.6 million people die from hunger each year. Over 2 million of those are children. One child dies every four seconds from hunger. 21,000 will die today. The good news is that you can help. Through our friends at Cross International and their partners in Guatemala and other developing nations, a single gift of $39 can feed a child for an entire year. Help now by calling 1-866-806-2977 or give online at wordfm.com. Use the keyword CROSS, 866-806-2977 or at wordfm.com, keyword CROSS. I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group and Time timeshare cancellation advocate. I was sued by the largest timeshare company in federal court for simply helping people cancel their timeshare that they had been lied to about. The jury sized me up and came back with a verdict after only 20 minutes. And yes, I won. My husband and I are more than grateful to everyone at Wesley Financial Group. You know, thanks to Chuck and his team, we feel as though a weight has been lifted and we can move on without the worry of a troublesome timeshare. Whether you owe ten to $250,000 on your timeshare, it's my mission to get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off your back permanently. And we proudly hold an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Want to learn more about getting rid of your troublesome timeshare? Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free consultation. Call 800-475-1818. That's 800-475-1818. 
800-475-1818. It's a struggle doing life alone, so why not join us at Impact Christian Church? Impact is a group of imperfect people seeking to let God love us and love others through us. Your kids will love our high-energy ministries geared to their needs. Our upbeat, positive services and practical teaching will encourage and help you, and you'll find true significance as you join us in striving to make a difference in the lives of others. For more information, visit us at impactpittsburgh.com. Ask Sherwin-Williams and save 40% on paints and stains during our four-day super sale, July 20th through the 23rd. With 40% off our exceptional paints and stains, you can cool off with colors like SW Frosty White or SW Icy Lemonade. Hurry, this sale won't last forever. Visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store and talk to our experts today. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. You're a do-it-yourselfer. A backyard shed for your extra stuff? How hard could it be? Until you realize that basic package from the home store doesn't include the shingles. Or the paint, the floors, the ventilation. There's even a charge to cut the lumber. At Yoder's Backyard Structures, you get all that. Plus, on-site consultation. A structure built to last, delivered fully assembled and placed free, ready to use with a 10-year warranty. So you can do it yourself or do it with Yoder's. Yoder'sBackyard.com. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. I read a lot of books. It's yes, you do. It's part of the job. And I love a lot of books, and I love a lot of different books. There are some books, though, that I read that I just feel like, I don't know, speak to a moment or say the thing that I wish I would have said or kind of uh, authors that can kind of get my thoughts together and, like, write them down. And I think, oh, I, that's exactly what I meant. Like, I, I wasn't able to find words for this, but this this you know, kind of sums up what I think about this. Stephen Mansfield is one of those writers for me. Um, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a popular speaker. He leads a media training firm based in Washington, D.C., and he's written a whole bunch of books, including The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama. He wrote biographies of Booker T. Washington and George Whitfield and Winston Churchill and Pope Benedict and Abraham Lincoln. Um, his book Killing Jesus was a bestseller. Um, I loved his book on the Kurds. I had a friend who moved to moved to Kurdistan and I read Stephen's books so that I could like figure out where she was going. Um, and his latest book is called Choosing Donald Trump. And that's the book I'm telling you when I read it, I was like, see, this is what I wish I would have said. Stephen, welcome back. Well, thank you, but I don't want to say anything. Just keep on talking. About <laughs> no, that's it. That's, that's all I just, got. Just let her keep going. No, it's over. It's, <laughs> it's all over. Um, so, Stephen, I've enjoyed your writing for a long time. Uh, the first book of yours I really loved was your book on Oprah. And uh, I think I've told you this before. The thing I loved about that book is I felt like you spoke and wrote about Oprah in a way that was factual, um, but you never became antagonistic. 
you obviously have a different worldview than Oprah has, but you never put one up against another and you never did it in a way that would create acrimony. I think it was just well stated and people were able to decide what they think. And that's um, the manner that you carried over into choosing Donald Trump. So why don't you talk first about why you decided? I mean, obviously, everybody's talking about Trump, but why did you decide to write it? Well, I appreciate you saying what you've said, and it does relate to my writing about Donald Trump, because I don't see the people I write about, even if I disagree with them, as evil. Hmm. And uh, I, I think we all have the better angels of our nature, as Lincoln said, and the lesser angels, angels of our nature. And so uh, when I write about somebody like Donald Trump or, or Oprah, I'm, I'm looking for the, the truth, uh, the things I can help with and endorse and support and promote, and the things that we need to be on guard about. I think Donald Trump's a very mixed figure. We all know that. Yes, he's champion. I'm a, I'm a right-of-center conservative and a Christian, and so he's championing some things that I care about. So obviously I want to I want to see him succeed. At the same time, you know, I, I don't like his personality. I don't think I'd want him to my house for dinner. Uh, and there are a lot of things he says and does and has done that I uh, decry and am opposed to. So um, I upset somebody recently uh, by saying in a speech that, my approach to Donald Trump is just like my approach to Barack Obama. I'm going to support what I can support, uh, counter what I uh, have to counter based on my principles, and do the best I can while he's president. And that's exactly what I'm doing in this book. So what's happened to us as Americans, Stephen, that we're not able to... Um to do that with our elected leaders, especially the president, it seems like we have to pick one or the other. We have to love him or hate him. It doesn't seem like we allow each other the freedom um, to just wonder about things or to be unsure or to say, yeah, I'm really glad about that one thing he did. And boy, I did not like that thing at all. It seems as if everyone on both sides just has a lit fuse. Yeah, we, we really are engaged in politics as total war. Um, and it's take no, take no prisoners kind of approach. We we are angry. Or I think cable uh, news shows have radicalized us. Uh, it's certainly true that some of the issues that we're dealing with are big issues that are that are life you know life dominating issues uh, like abortion, etc. Um, but but the fact is, even people we sort of agree with, but somewhat don't, are vilified. Look at the treatment the GOP is giving, for example, John McCain, the president, for mm-hmm. example has just bashed yeah. John McCain. Here's a war hero, a U.S. senator, and a man dying of brain cancer. I mean, for any, any one of those reasons, you wouldn't bash him, even if you disagreed with him. But that's become even popular uh, on the public scene. So, yeah, I, I would suggest strongly it's not a Christian approach. We Christians shouldn't be behaving this way. It's rooted in fear and hate, two things Christians ought not uh, allow to dominate their souls. And by the way, just at a practical level, I'm speaking as a guy who works in D.C. with politicians, uh, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not going to convince anybody. It doesn't win anybody to your side, and it just radicalizes both sides. There is a, um, a fallacy of influence, is there not, that, um, that, that we Christians have uh, adopted, and, and you're, you've been writing, and in D.C. a lot longer um, than uh, just the Trump presidency. But going back to the Clinton years, when Christians were adamant that their, that character mattered, um, and that we had a responsibility as, as evangelical Christians to influence, uh, even to vote on the basis of character. Now we believe, uh, it seems recently that we should spend more time influencing on policy rather than on character. Um, 
is that a shift you've noticed as well? And is is that rooted in anything deeper in the church? I, it is a shift that I've noticed. Uh, it, it frankly is a process of us being worldly in the sense that we're letting the prevailing culture shape us. Um, I think what happened is what I said in the book, and that is that we were so traumatized by the Obama years, you know, with his strident pro-abortion, strident LGBT agendas, uh, apologizing constantly, seeming to be soft on Islam, etc. Um, we were so traumatized that um, that we felt justified in pushing in the opposite, completely opposite direction. Uh, I had people say I hate him. I had people on, in churches, by the way, say they would not pray for him. Hmm. Uh, in other words, we were being uh, caught up in the uh, kind of right-wing trends of the world. The Christians got to maintain what I would call a third way, not hard right, not hard left, um, but more a perspective from the kingdom of God. And so I, I think this is part of the secularization of the Church. I think it's part of a trend of worldliness in the Church. Um, in the same way that a lot of Christians walk around cussing these days, a lot of Christians walk around reflecting the political hate of our society. And it's not something we're meant to do. Um, the fact is that there are good people on both sides of the aisle up there, um, we're not supposed to hate any of them. We need to know our principles, uh, stand for our principles, work with those who, who support our principles, um, and, and, and not despise them uh, for the arenas in which we disagree with them. The book is Choosing Donald Trump, God, Anger, Hope, and Why Christian Conservatives Supported Him. Our conversation is with author Stephen Mansfield. Stephen, you write in the book... Um, in just a narrative way about the the growing years of Mr. Trump and the way that the church impacted him. So for people who recognize Trump because they follow him on Twitter or, you know, see him on TV or whatever, but have no idea about the younger Trump and about how the church impacted him, tell us that story. Well, it, the best way to understand Donald Trump is to realize that the primary spiritual influence in his life, and he was churched his entire young life, but his primary influence was Norman Vincent Peale. Now, there were two streams coming out of Norman Vincent Peale's life. One was a fairly standard Protestant, mainline Protestant pastor, but the other was that he was the most popular motivational speaker uh, of his generation. So uh, whatever Tony Robbins is to us today, whatever Deepak Chopra is us, to us today in a motivation, as motivational speakers, that's what Norman Vincent Peale was in his day. So Donald Trump, in my opinion, drank from the motivational stream of Norman Vincent Peale's life. You can achieve... Uh, your attitude shape your destiny, your words shape your reality, um, you know, that, all those things that we now believe and, and hear all the time from, from motivational speakers, uh, even down to your attitude's more important than facts, things of that nature. <laughs> and so while there's some truth in everything I've just said, uh, even from a Christian perspective, the fact is that Donald Trump basically got footnotes from Norman Mitz's appeal for his worldview of compete and conquer and, you know, destroy. His father had two pet names for him, King and Killer. The whole family was just eaten up with competition. In fact, Donald Trump says it caused his older brother really to drink himself to death. Um, so this was a very competitive family, win at all costs, defeat everybody in business. And I think that Donald Trump heard in Norman Vincent Peale's motivational teaching uh, a justification for his worldview. And that's why he writes the things he does. That's why he'll go to 
Liberty University, for example, a Christian university, and talk about screwing your enemies, <laughs> rather than what Jesus taught about forgiving your enemies. So that explains, in my opinion, Donald Trump almost perfectly. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Stephen Mansfield. The book is called Choosing Donald Trump, God, Anger, Hope, and Why Christian Conservatives Supported Him. Stay close. It's the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. This is Mike Howard, General Sales Manager at Salem Media Pittsburgh. You've heard me recruit for salespeople for quite a while now. Always looking for professionals who just have to be in the sales arena because they love the hunt for new business, have those antennas up, and just simply know how to get appointments. Well, I'm here to tell you that is still exactly what I am looking for. But not just to be in radio. Salem Media Pittsburgh truly is much more. So much so that all of our team's titles have changed to Integrated Marketing Strategist. What that means is we now incorporate everything regarding digital marketing into our daily services, from web design to social media and reputation management, plus all things digital marketing, including retargeting, Facebook, SEO and SEM, and much more. So if the sales skills I mentioned before apply to you, plus you have a knack or even experience in digital marketing sales, you definitely need to contact us. Would you do that, please? Log on to SalemMedia.com and click the Careers link and search Pittsburgh to apply. Hey, Pittsburgh, Calusi Chevrolet in Bridgeville is celebrating like never before. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin, and the team at Calusi has been serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. That's right, since 1918, they've been a trusted name for great deals and great service. And right now, during their anniversary sale, they're offering the best deals of the year on every vehicle in stock. You can check out their huge inventory and great deals online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. How do you Friday? Whether you're trying to firm up, slim down, feel better, or simply take a break, Smoothie King has the smoothie for you. And with our $5 Fridays, you can Friday with a purpose. 32-ounce smoothies are just $5, and 32-ounce meal replacements are just $6. All blends, all flavors, all Friday. So how do you Friday? Friday like a king. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Participating locations, some restrictions may apply. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 67 degrees. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. A shower or thunderstorm can be in a couple of places late in the day or during the evening hours. High tomorrow, 84. Some clouds tomorrow night, 66. Limited sunshine Saturday with a spotty shower or thunderstorm. High Saturday, 78 degrees.
We're back with New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield. He's also a popular speaker and also leads a media training firm based in Washington, D.C. He's the author of a bunch of books, including The Faith of George W. Bush, um, The Faith of Barack Obama. He wrote several biographies of George Whitfield and Pope Benedict and Booker T. Washington. He also wrote a book called Killing Jesus, The Miracle of the Kurds. Um, he wrote a great book on Oprah Winfrey that I read years ago, and his latest is called Choosing Donald Trump. Um, Stephen, I, w- I want to fast forward to some of the conclusions that you reached at the end of your book. Um, and this was the part that really grabbed me. And the reason I've recommended your book so highly is is uh, I realized from your writing that we as Christians have not just failed in the Trump era to represent God well and to represent truth well. Um, and we've been too filled with vitriol and we've been too eager to tell the other side why we're wrong. And th- those things are all valid criticisms of Christianity. But I also realized reading your book that we have failed a person. We have failed Mr. Trump um, by not being the Christian church that we should have been to him. Uh, he's more than a theory. He's more than, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, a, a robot who, who's existing in the political realm. He's an actual man who's just as in need of salvation and grace and goodness as any of the rest of us. So why don't you explain that to our audience and, and how you see our responsibility as the church to him? Well, thank you for the question. Uh, I surprise people by telling them that I think that Donald Trump is more open to spiritual influence than they might think. I know he's a tough, raw customer in the political realm, but he's been known to call television preachers he watches. He's very open to pastors. Uh, He literally chased down pastors during the campaign, not just to get their endorsement, in fact, some of them told them he, he told him they would not endorse him, uh, but but to, but to have them pastor him. Uh, so I think he's a spiritually hungry man. And I think what happened was when he began to side with the call it the religious right, if you want, or conservative politics or faith friendly politics, um, a lot of people began to look at him as a vehicle for political victories, and you know that he's certainly delivering those for those on the right. But I I agree with you. I'm concerned about his soul. I'm concerned about where he is spiritually. I'm concerned, um, you know, that we we preach the gospel to him. Now, there are good people on his Evangelical Council of Advisors, and some of them have been very tough with him about the gospel, uh, you know, not letting him just talk about God and country or talk about getting into heaven because he opposes the Johnson Amendment or something, (laughs) Um, but rather that because he's really got to believe in Jesus. And so, um, you know, that, 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 that is being said. But the fact is that to the extent that the Church gives him a pass um, because he's politically with us, uh, we're saying to the entire world, we don't care about holiness, we don't care about righteousness, we don't care about his ultimate salvation, or, or that of other people as well. So um, I think that's where we may be failing him. And, and you know, what's going to come from this, I'll say briefly, uh, is we're already seeing the word evangelical be more a political term than it is a spiritual term mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see serious divisions in the body of Christ over this whole issue. Mm-hmm. So as we look forward, you know, from this point, I mean, just looking at this week with the, you know, Helsinki um, meeting and the un believable, over-the-top criticism of the president. I'm not saying that there was not well-deserved criticism, but I'm also saying it went so ridiculously um, outside the norm that this is the perfect, most recent uh, in-situ example of why we can't talk about this man like he's just a man. And I recognize the presidency is more than a man. So, I mean, I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about it, but I'm also saying that it's easy for us to react to someone like Donald Trump as if he's just a theory, as if he's just a construct. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, this this is an actual man. This is an actual head of a fa- family. Um, you know, I, I hurt for some members of the family. I hurt for Melania. Uh, I, I think they all need the gospel in their life, and they all need to be pastored well. Um, and our society has uh, begun to use Donald Trump uh, as a battering ram against their, their opponents. I mean, again, I think... Uh, though I share some of the criticisms of how he behaved in Helsinki, the press has just gone nuts, and it's 24/7. Let's bash Donald Trump, um, and then of course you have the op- the press of the opposite side, uh, which just trots out ridiculous justifications for him. Um, so we don't have an objective press, and instead we use him to sort of fulfill our. Of objectives. I think that's damaging to him, his family. Uh, I think it's a wrong representation of the gospel, certainly when Christians do it. Uh, and like I say, we're already seeing divisions between millennials and older Christians, between black, uh, you know, evangelicals of color and uh, and white evangelicals over this whole issue of Donald Trump. We need to be careful. We need to be the church first, and any kind of political voice second. That's best-selling author Stephen Mansfield. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we want to ask, so how do we look beyond Donald Trump? I mean, is everything about him? Please tell me that the answer is no. We'll talk more about that next. WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New New music. New music from Sanctus Real. Confidence. confidence. Say hello by the Rhett Walker Band. Say goodbye. And Who You Say I Am by Hillsong Worship. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Brianna was diagnosed with visual and auditory processing disorder and dyslexia. When she wouldn't have the success she was looking for, you could just see her kind of going into her shell. Trying to take what was in her mind and get it to paper. Just that connection just wasn't there. The assessment showed me that there was actually more of a struggle there than even we were aware of. Brain Balance gave Brianna the tools to succeed. She's in class. She's actually raising her hand and she's interacting and not afraid. To, okay, if I make a mistake, that's okay, but I'm going to keep trying. She's like, I know I struggled, but they were right there to tell me, keep going, keep trying. Her academics have increased beyond any of our expectations. Her teachers are amazed. They're just amazed. This is a great program. It's helped my child beyond measure. Help your child achieve success all summer long. Call Brain Balance today and get a jump start on your child's next school year. Make a real difference in the life of your child and your family. Call today, 724-390-9012. If you had to replace everything in your fridge today, how much would it cost? For a restaurant or church, that could mean thousands in lost product and downtime. That's when you call Ventec Refrigeration. When your walk-in goes down, Ventec can be there in less than two hours with portable units to save valuable product and the even move it for you while repairs are made with flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees. A plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Keep your cool with Ventec Refrigeration. 412-793-0661. When you're a kid, Idlewild is a place full of adventures. There are rides that are just your size, treats to tickle your taste buds, and special friends like Daniel Tiger to touch your heart. When you're a grown-up, Idlewild is every bit as magical, every bit as memorable, every bit as fun. Idlewild and Soak Zone, because you love to see them smile. 
Save up to $18 on select days when you buy online at Idlewild.com. When you come to Kennywood, you're part of the family. So make yourself at home. Help yourself to some tasty treats. Then climb aboard with the number one blue engine and steam into our newest attraction, Thomastown. Visit Thomas and friends at their new Kennywood home, coming soon. Kennywood, a Pittsburgh tradition for 120 years. Welcome to the family. Now save up to $20 on select days at Kennywood.com. It's a struggle doing life alone, so why not join us at Impact Christian Church? Impact is a group of imperfect people seeking to let God love us and love others through us. Your kids will love our high-energy ministries geared to their needs. Our upbeat, positive services and practical teaching will encourage and help you, and you'll find true significance as you join us in striving to make a difference in the lives of others. For more information, visit us at impactpittsburgh.com. These are crazy times. Crazy times. Just, I, we some, are on the crazy train. Sometimes I step back and think, uh, we have truly lost our minds. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with Stephen Mansfield. He's a New York Times bestselling author and a popular speaker who also leads a media training firm based in Washington, D.C. Uh, John and I have been uh, following Stephen's career for a long time, and so we've read a bunch of his books. But his latest one, and the one we've been talking about today, is called Choosing Donald Trump, God, Anger, Hope, and Why Christian Conservatives Supported Him. Uh, Stephen, I've I've been um, responding to people for a, for a while now by asking, who is the superintendent of history? And you said something uh, earlier about uh, believing in a third way, but I, I want to push. I don't believe that third way is centrism, that it's not that you can either be right or you can be left or you can be centrist. That third way is is seeking to be at the fulcrum of truth and grace at all times, just as Jesus fully was, is how do we get there as a church? Well, I think we have. you're exactly right. We don't want to just be uh, lukewarm or centrist. Um, some of my friends prefer to call my view the radical middle, <laughs> because <laughs> while, I, while I, am, I am right of center, there's no question about it, I'm not hard right, um, and my Christian faith actually lands me in sympathy with some things on the left. I'm, I have to be concerned about the poor, both at a private and a federal level, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there are some things I do care about that the left talks about. I'm even down to non-biblical issues like public transportation. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I think you're exactly right. We have to know our principles, be be radical about them. The the problem is when we side with parties uh, politically. Uh, the problem becomes when we're more Republican than we are Christian, when we're more Democrat than we are Christian. Um, I'm committed to biblical truth first. That lands me largely on the right, some on the left, and I'm radical about all of those views. Um, and so that that approach makes me not lukewarm or milk toast or passive. Uh, it makes me radical in pursuit of truth, but I just don't necessarily honor party lines. I don't necessarily uh, feel like I have to side with Fox or MSNBC. You understand what I'm saying? It, I do. And so I tend I tend to try to irritate everybody, frankly. <laughs> Well, it goes back, uh, interestingly, to Washington's speech uh, when he left office and his his advocacy to avoid entangling alliances. 
that we have we have signed mutual uh, just about all of us have signed a mutual benefit treaty with some political party or movement that is able to yank us around by the nose mm-hmm. no there's no question about that and i think christians have got to lay down um party above bible party above jesus as as an idol and you know the great words from jonah 2 8 those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs mm-hmm. uh, who knows what we might accomplish in our society if we're committed to biblical truth first and not just committed to either republicanism or trump or a certain congressman or senator on the left or the right uh, as, as almost a personality cult. Right now, the majority of our society sees evangelicals as caught up in a principleless personality cult, that we support Donald Trump no matter what he does, that he couldn't do anything too immoral, couldn't chastise anybody too harshly, that we would ever distance ourselves from him. That's not prophetic distance. That's not being Christians in politics. Um, that's kind of rolling over for political victories, and, and we're going to pay for it long term. Yeah. So if we're looking for success, perhaps we have only seen that in the culture war uh, area, and we haven't looked at what success would look like from a God's kingdom perspective. And so maybe it's just a matter of reorientation. You know, I, I said when we were uh, on the commercial break, I said to Dave, the, the way that it seems to me is that I, you, you can imagine like a, a line in uh, two perspectives is that we're trying to figure out whether we're going to go f- left or right. When I think God is telling us that we need to be in a whole different dimension. We need to be in the third dimension. So we're just looking at the line left and right is not enough for us. We need to use our imagination and the knowledge that God's given us to expand our vision. Uh, That's exactly right. I think the real issue is for most Christians, they've got to figure out what a Christian worldview, what are the implications of a Christian worldview uh, for American politics. In other words, if I'm only judging by Scripture, if I'm only judging by what God has revealed to us, what then uh, then am am I to believe about political issues? Then you take that into the arena rather than starting with the Republicans or the Democrats on the right, on the left, Fox or MSNBC, you come from Scripture. And I, I got to tell you, I, I'm not painting myself as any kind of champion of anything, but when I'm in D.C. and I speak uh, with balance, I speak uh, truth from a Christian perspective and say, well, guys, I'm actually with the left on this a little bit, um, and, and but I'm mainly over here on the right on these other issues. They, they have respect for that because I'm not just citing an ideological, you know, some kind of empty, empty-headed ideologicalism. Uh, I'm coming from a principled base, and I got to tell you, quite frankly, this is something I do know from being on a lot of these sh- these television shows. A lot of these guys are more moderate, are more balanced than they actually portray themselves to be uh, with their when they're screaming on these talk shows. And so, what really gains ground in D.C. is some degree of moderation. We can let the let the cable scream fests go on as they want to, and let the performers have their day. But the bottom line is, American politics ends up somewhere just right of center, and that's where most, I think, us Christians should land anyway, based on scriptures. So uh, we've got some healing to do. We've got some ground to make up with the young evangelicals. We've got some ground to make up with evangelicals of color, and we've got some ground to make up with the broader body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me ask you the question then about distraction. You brought up the fact that we need to um, look at the ground that we need to make up. Um, I, I decided this summer, yeah, I have these, you know, uh, reading goals that I go through. And so, of course, we, I have to, you know, John and I are reading whatever we're reading for the show. But on my own, I think, okay, I'm, so I'm going to read this for a while. So this summer, I'm immersing myself in literature about the uh, American South. I 
I'm not familiar with the American South. It's a place I just visited for the very first time this summer. Um, and so I thought, this is, I don't really understand anything about Southern culture. So I'm just going to kind of get into that. So I've been reading Flannery O'Connor and things along that line. Anyway, the thing that I, that has been driven home to me over and over and over again is I understood the our history of race in our country from the most cushioned theoretical perspective possible. But going back and reading actual accounts of what happened to people in the South, what actually the civil rights struggle looked like in the South, it's so far outside my understanding. It is just, it has blown my mind this summer. And all I could think of is, man, we have work to make up. We've got a lot of getting back that we have to do. Um, And that's just one issue that I've been reading about this summer and something that has impacted me personally because I've lived my whole life in this cushioned place in the the Northeast. So if you look at that over many issues, there's so much work that there is to be done. I feel like a lot of this stuff with the president is just pushing us off and getting us out of the real stuff. I, I think you're exactly right. And I think you put your finger right on it. Uh, Most of us consider politics from the comfort of a coffee shop uh, with a bunch of like-minded friends, and we don't really think about or ever experience what it's like to be with people who are actually affected by this flesh and blood. Uh, For example, uh, I attend a church in Washington, D.C. My second mother, I split my year between D.C. and Nashville, and in D.C., I attend a a church, about 4,000 people, it's largely African-Americans. So uh, you can imagine you have a lot of Democrats in that church, a lot of Republicans, and uh, so when I get to talking to these folks, um, they they are very cautious about Southern churches. Mm. And I say, and this is in D.C., we're technically in the South. Um, but I say, well, why? I'm talking to African-Americans now. And they say, well, you know, of course, we know the history of the South. We know what it was like to have relatives lynched. And by the way, one of the code names for the KKK was the uh, Baptist Men's Softball League. That's That's how they would actually announce their meetings <laughs> oh. in the South the Baptist Men's mm. Softball League. Now, there's nothing wrong with Baptist, and there's nothing wrong with softball. Believe me, I, play, I do it, but do both. But my point is um, that to, to my African-American friends, when they hear Southern Baptist, that's what they're hearing, is that code language for the people who, in one case, I'm thinking of one friend of mine, literally hung his grandfather. So uh, you see, how do I know that? Because I've had lunch with this guy, because he's a buddy, because we go to the same church. But that's not something you're going to come across if you're you know, sitting at Starbucks talking to a bunch of like-minded people. You've got to get out and find out what's going on. So I certainly believe in principles, but, uh, but we, we as Christians need to know the stories. We need to know people's lives. We, we need to get into the more flesh-and-blood side of politics and make, make righteous decisions accordingly. And, but you're right, our isolation is what's causing us to be so easily radicalized. And that is an opportunity for us as Christians to take to make politics local again, in fact, to make politics personal. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that I do get irritated with uh, my Christian friends about, nor left or right, is when they're sitting in, you know, just an ivory tower, they're sitting in a, in, a, in a coffee shop, never entering into the real world, never getting being activists about anything, and just subscribing to certain ideas, you know, uh, limited federal government, strong defense, uh, you know, strong border, all that kind of thing. Well, okay, I, I, I agree to some degree with all of those things, but uh, it's not until you actually look at the flesh and blood that it makes, it, that it makes a difference. Um, you might, we might cheer on, some evangelicals might cheer on Donald Trump when he's hammering uh, Muslim immigrants, 
But when he chastised the Gold Star family of a war hero during the conventions, I mean, I realized that family was Muslim, but the fact is they were Americans, they'd lost a son. Again, we wouldn't treat people that way in our churches. We, 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 would, we would welcome these people and love them and attend the funeral and help them heal and try to call them to Jesus. Well, we should do exactly the same with Donald Trump and exactly the same with the Gold Star family he was chastising. So when you put a face on it, when there's a pulse in your politics, then suddenly you are more compassionate, more human, and I think it helps you be more Christian. That's New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, popular speaker, media trainer, author of a whole bunch of books. Stephen, can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon, for your most excellent work. Hey, it's all great to be with you. Thanks so much. See you next time. Thank you, Stephen. Celebrating life's closest relationships is what drives every Trinity Jewelers employee. It's people, not profits, that make life worth celebrating. After 20 years, Trinity Jewelers is still growing, and they have a place for an experienced diamond sales expert to manage their sales team. If working in a caring, friendly environment with a flexible five-day work week sounds better than the pressures of a corporate jewelry sales job, email your resume to trinityjewelers at verizon.net and help them make the next 20 years something to celebrate. Life does and stop on the weekends and neither do you so we understand that it can be hard to find the time to shop for a mattress this is robin trzinski of the original mattress factory and we have a completely new website designed to help you simplify the mattress shopping experience check out our products view our prices and even place an order for pickup local delivery or to have it shipped outside of our delivery area just visit originalmattress.com and find a thoughtfully made honestly priced mattress of your own the original mattress factory great beds no bull isn't crushing candy just boring play the hit puzzle game best fiends it's sweeping the nation tired of matching candies give best fiends a try it's fun fresh and addictive whether you play alone or with friends and family download best fiends for free in the app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends good news from kennywood today have you seen this? It was sunny? <laughs> no, I mean, it's been sunny before oh, okay. at Kennywood. It's not like that's the first thing. But after a year of speculation and two months of tantalizing hints, I'm reading an article from the PG by Sean Hamill. Kennywood uh, officials announced today, they confirmed, in fact, what many have believed for a long time. The ride that will replace the park's beloved, now demolished log jammer will be a 4,000-foot steel coaster called Steel Curtain. Hey, did you watch the video? No, I I heard the video will make me sick. Uh, I watched the video. Did it make you sick? No, I I love roller coasters. Mm-hmm. I do love you, roller coasters too. Until you, I until I got chronic vertigo, and then I I think uh, I had to leave them behind. Okay, which was okay. Now the the coaster is black and gold. Yeah, as of course. It should be. We <laughs> well, think, welcome think to Pittsburgh. Good, think it's going to be green and white. <laughs> Yeah, I don't so think are the so. Bridges. Okay, this is the first new roller coaster for Kennywood since it added the Skyrocket, which I, I've ridden the Skyrocket like hundreds of times in 2010. Uh, this new coaster is the park's first major roller coaster addition since it renovated the former Steel Phantom into the Phantom's Revenge. What year do you think that was? You weren't even here, Dave. I wasn't. 96? Oh, one. Oh, wow. Oh, one. Okay. Yeah. It'll break a Pennsylvania record as the tallest roller coaster in the state. A North American record with the most inversions at nine. You, you they had you at one, right? Yeah, they, they had me at inversion. 
and a world record with the tallest inversion at 197 feet. So hanging upside down at 197 feet. Right. Mm. Among other details revealed during a press conference that included Styx's renegade. Oh, gosh. Oh, Mike, is, Mike is playing the thing for me. Yeah. See, this is why I can't. I, I might have to take over here. Yeah, exactly. I can't even look Kathy's at that. Kathy's on the floor. My, Kathy, the mic doesn't <laughs> oh, go down that Oh, my far. gosh. Uh, 24 passengers at a time will be taken to a maximum height of 220 feet. Um, also, part of the announcement is a partnership with the Pittsburgh Steelers to create a three-acre themed area called Steelers Country in this part of the park. Really? Something in Pittsburgh having to do with the Steelers? Isn't that novel. a crazy idea? Yeah. I know. Now, when I was a kid um, going to Kennywood, that part of the park was where all of my Polish um, grandparents great aunts and uncles and everything would sit all day really? while I went to ride rides. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's where it was. So there were all of these, you know, it was back by where the uh, whip used to be by the log jammer. Okay. And so they had um, shelters. I couldn't think of what they were called. Shelters back there. And so my grandparents would like station themselves back there protecting the pierogies. With their coolers. And the potato salad. Right. And the homemade pickles. Excellent. And, you know, all the alcohol. Oh, and that's a day at the park. Ri- <laughs> yeah, it really was a day at the park. Um, so anyway, this is a whole different thing. I mean, there was there were no YouTube videos at that time when we were going, and like, and now of course the whip is out front. It's like the whole thing is 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 backwards. I have to say, as, as excited as I always am about new things, and I've always loved coasters. I love the log jammer. I know. Did you love the log jammer? Well, I I I am. Um, I was only I've only been to Kennywood a few times, but God bless him how yeah. he says that I've only been to Kennywood a couple times. I love the log jammer. Was, I, I love that. I love a flume ride. Of co- a good water ride. Isn't a good yeah. flume good? Is a I good think flume, it helps you, Mike. Yeah. How did you feel about the log jammer? I'm really sad about it. I Are really you? Am, but after watching this video, this roller coaster, you're on it for a minute and a, no, a minute forty six seconds. It's long. This coaster looks awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. It I'm, does. But uh, okay, I grew up. Just minutes from Hershey Park. Oh, right. And um, so I've been there dozens and dozens of times. The Cold Cracker is the the log jammer ride there. Okay. Okay. And it's still in operation. And I remember going there in the early 80s with my great-grandmother, a little four-foot-eleven Italian woman who insisted, oh, I have to ride the Cold Cracker. It's my favorite ride. <laughs> and me riding it with, That's with so my awesome. tiny great-grandmother. What a great memory. And so I think – like if they ever got rid of the coal cracker, I would lose so much more than that ride. Oh, because you'd use the, your, your memories of being there. The with memories your of being there, and the fact that my great grandmother's never going to ride that roller coaster. Are you sure? Can you? I can't ride that roller coaster. No, I, no, that, it's a special. I mean, roller I'm coaster. having a problem, and I mean this sincerely. Uh, New Mike <laughs> has, has put this on my monitor here in the studio. I literally. Am, am not able to watch this. That's how bad. I mean, and I do suffer with chronic vertigo, so I'm not your person. I'll, you know, I have a, a, a clinical problem, but this is pushing me to my limit. Just yeah. having it here, just wretched. Just knowing it's on behind you. Oh, my is, gosh. Is just, can you feel the wind rushing by? I can feel me being sick for six months. That's yeah. what I can feel. Yeah. Dear t- heaven. T- tell me, before your vertigo, what was your favorite ride? At Kennywood or yeah. overall? At Kennywood. Um, well, even though I love the Skyrocket. I think that's a really good coaster. Okay. I think I'd still have to go with the Thunderbolt. Okay. Because you can't beat the noise and the violence of it. It is it's a just, violent ride. It is awesomely rough, and you, you just brutalize the person next to you. Now, I don't know how fast it actually goes. It's probably like 45 miles an hour. It seems like it's 200, but right? But it is so... <laughs> 
It it is so riotous. I know, isn't it? One time, um, John Hall was was hanging out at Kennywood with our family. Um, his his wife and his kids weren't able to make it, and um, so we there were you know there were four of us in our family. So we all got on the uh, Thunderbolt, you know, we two and two, and John was by himself. <laughs> But they don't let people ride by themselves. So he had to ride with this random person who was like an 11-year-old girl. Was was she on the inside no, or the outside? No, it was the wrong side. It was the, the poor girl was like six inches taller by the time oh she got off. Gosh. I mean, it was just such a shame. It was a shame. Have a great night, Pittsburgh. Thanks for being with us Good today. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.